Blog Talk Radio. Another edition of the High Motion Podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, this is Jovan Alfred here, one of your co-hosts here on the High Motion Podcast. Joining me shortly will be none other than the Arena in- Insider himself, Harrison Brown of ArenaFan.com. But before we get to him and before we discuss anything about Arena Bowl 32, which is this Sunday at 8 on ESPN2, uh, make sure to, not- to check out on this podcast on blogtalkradio.com backslash Total Sports Live. Or if you missed this one or any of our previous ones that we've done this season, we did a lot of them, literally. Almost, there's almost a podcast for every week of the season, and including the playoffs. So it's about probably like 10 to 15 podcasts. So if you miss any of them, you can go, you can go to the Blog Talk Radio, like I said, or you can uh, go to the podcast app on your iPhone or your iPad or wherever. Just go to the podcast app, search Total Sports Live, TSL Podcast. We really appreciate anybody uh, that subscribes to us. And if you do that, you get the down, all the all the episodes downloaded to your phone. Or if you leave us a, a rating and a review, we appreciate that as well. We try to uh, bring everybody uh, top-notch uh, arena football content this season, hopefully into the offseason and into next season. Um, in addition to that, we're also – um, on Spotify, all you got to do, same thing. Search Total Sports Live TSL Podcast. We appreciate everyone that follows all that follows us over there um, as well. But like I said, the Arena Bowl weekend, Arena Bowl 32 is finally here. We have made it through an amazing season, a fun season, and now we're down to the final two teams here. We're down to the Albany Empire, led by Tommy Grady and, and Malachi Jones and Quentin Sims and – Joe and uh and Joe Sykes and company. They're ten and two, led by head coach Rob Keefe. And then on the other side, we're coming in are the Philadelphia Soul. They're seven and five, but they're a dangerous seven and five right now, led by head coach Clint Dozell, uh, Dan Rodderball, uh, Darius Prince, Darius Reynolds, James Romaine, Dwayne Hollis. I mean, it's it's going to be a fun game. Just when you just say those players' names along and the coaches, you already know it's going to be a fun game. But I can't break it down by myself. As always, he joins me every week during the season, and he's the guy that was the mastermind behind it. And he's also in Albany right now uh, for Arena Bowl 32. Joining me as always is none other than the Arena the Arena in, Arena Football Insider himself, Harrison Brown of ArenaFan.com. Harrison, how are you doing? Uh, appreciate you uh, <laughs> staying up trying to knock this podcast out. Yeah, man, what's good, bro? How you doing? You know, drive to Albany got me a little tired today. You know, I had to take that pre-podcast nap. But man, I'm back. I got the computer up. I'm ready to talk some uh, some Arena Bowl 32 with you, bro. We finally made it. Yeah, it's, we finally did made it. And like you said, it's. I mean, it's, it's been a fun season. It's definitely been a fun season, and it's going to. I think, and you and you and you touched on this lightly 
on AFL tonight a lot with those guys over there on their podcast and just how evenly matched this is going to be a game and it's going to be a fun game and it's going to be it's going to be electric. I don't expect no blowout on either side. I'll be absolutely shocked. But before we you know look at the season series between these teams and the things to watch out for, let's just look at how each team got here. Uh, first, starting off with the Albany uh, with the Albany Empire, uh, Albany. Uh, they started off the season, I think, 6-0 and or whatever, 6-0. and They started off the season on fire. And then Baltimore finally got them with a loss. And then the Soul beat them a couple weeks, four, about three weeks later. The Soul beat them, giving them their second loss of the season. But Albany does what Albany does best, which is all they do is win. Hashtag unfinished business. Finished the season 10-2. and two. Um, Went to Baltimore. Uh, had Baltimore at their place in week one of the playoffs, destroyed them 61 to 26, came back last weekend at Royal Farms Arena, blew them out 62 to 21, scored 49 points in the first half. And uh, that's, I think that's like an arena football, like record or tied arena uh, football record for uh, most points scored in the first half in the playoffs. Uh, One aggregate, 123 to 47 was no contest. Tommy Grady barely had to throw the ball four or five for 82 yards, two TDs. Demetrius Stevens, who Harrison has been very high on this season, he added two more TDs for three receptions, 48 yards. Malachi Jones, really not a factor in none of these games, really didn't play. So it was a healthy Malachi Jones and a well, well-rested Malachi uh, coming into the playoffs. And then Tevin Homer uh, finished with seven and a half tackles, two interceptions, a tackle for loss, and also uh, Terrence, I want to say more, had the other interception. But uh, Harrison, like I said, Albany does what Albany does best. They just come out and dominate, and that's, what it was. that's been the story of their uh, season, just, just domination, and they showed that in the playoffs against Baltimore, nothing but just straight dominance. Yeah, and uh, like you mentioned, they were like that all season. Uh, it really didn't feel like they missed a beat going into that playoff series against Baltimore. And, I mean, they have one of the most high-powered offenses in the league when you have guys like Grady who's been around for so long. He knows this game in and out. Um, he's been doing this. In 2012, he set the record for most touchdown passes in the AFL regular season with 142. Uh, that should just say something alone. So he's continued on what he's done throughout his whole career. And then Malachi Jones has had a great sophomore season. He was named Offensive Player of the Year today, which I know we're going to get into. I know you have some, some things to say about that, but that's for later in the show. And then Quentin Sims. Quentin Sims led the league in receptions, uh, receiving touchdowns this year. Um, he was on the first team all arena list. He had a really good season as well. And then, I mean, you look at that defense. Joe Sykes is the best arena football league defensive end of all time. Terrence Moore is one of the best jack linebackers in the league right now. With Goosby on IR, you can argue that he's the best jack linebacker in the league right now. Um, the defenses really came around. Cheatham Norris has played great in the middle. Down the stretch, he's made some huge plays for them. Homer, like you mentioned, a lot of people are very high on Homer. And then you've got Mo Leggett backside, a great addition from the CFL, a guy who's played a little bit of arena before, played with Keith before. So him transitioning back wasn't the hardest thing for him. Definitely a great addition for this playoffs. But, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Sunday's game. I think these teams are evenly matched. I think one big thing for Albany is definitely being at home. I mean, just obviously – um, it's going to be a huge advantage for them. Uh, the lower bowl I saw on Twitter is already sold out. Um, I'm sure they're going to start to pack up the top rows. And, I mean, they, uh, they've they been really promoting 
1999 Arena Bowl, like online and stuff. I've seen a lot of different posts about, you know, being the 20 year mm-hmm. anniversary of that Arena Bowl. So it just kind of feels a little nostalgic of that. It feels like the city is really excited for this, really behind this. Um, there's kind of there's been a lot of signage. Um, like I just walked around uh, a few hours before we got on here and did the show, but um, I've seen a lot of signage for the game. They they have a big jumbotron type thing, a big uh, screen like on the side of the arena. Um, they're playing arena football highlights. There's a big Arena Bowl 32 montage at the end. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to see you know the atmosphere at one of these Albany games. They look great on TV, but um, it's going to be fun to see how the crowd shows up for an Arena Bowl. Basically, 20 years from when they last won an Arena Bowl at the Times Union Center. So um, it's been cool. It, it kind of feels like Albany is, you know, uh, the best <laughs> arena football town that I've seen. I mean, they, they just seem to really be behind it. Uh, just watching that 1999 video, um, I honestly didn't even know that they supported it as, like, crazily and heavily as they did back then. I knew they came out in bunches and were, you know, a good market. But, I mean, it seems like they were above and beyond, and they've brought that same energy in this reboot, in this, you know, second version of the Albany Arena Football League. And, I mean, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see what they do in this Arena Bowl. Yeah, it, it should, like you said, it should be fun. And like you said, a lot of nostalgia has been talked about about this Arena Bowl, especially for Albany, as you mentioned, as you, and, and as you guys on AFL Night really touched on. There's a lot of nostalgia uh, in this in this game, especially for Albany's first time in the Empire's existence. They're going to the Arena Bowl, but for Albany as the city, it's the second time. Like you said, last time they went back, 99, led by a guy named, uh, I think his name was Touchdown Eddie Brown. I think he's the father <laughs> of Antonio Brown. He did big things in that, uh, in that Arena Bowl. He set crazy. Think about this, folks. 99, he set two Arena Bowl records with 12 receptions for 185 yards and tied a championship game record with four TDs. Amazing how... In '99, that was a record, and I'm pretty. And you fast forward to 2019, and that's a regular day <laughs> in the regular season. As regular, uh, Albany ended up winning that, winning this game uh, by a score of 59 to 48. Like you said, Eddie Brown had a huge game. Uh, it was over the Predators, and that's another nostalgic franchise uh, right there. So Albany's looking to kind of bring that. Uh, looking to bring that mojo back uh, uh, to this game on Sunday. And, and it's great, and it's also great to see the town buy into it and really get up for it. And also, it's good to see that they're selling the thing out because this is, you know, for as much as the AFL has been on ESPN3 this season, the only way you can access games through the uh, computer or, you know, the ESPN Plus, you know, subscription or whatever, you would, I would, you would have to agree with this, Harrison, that this is a huge moment for the AFL, in that they're on ESPN two Sunday night eight o'clock. You know, it's 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 technically it's prime time because of the timing. Sunday eight o'clock is prime time technically, but this is a huge moment for the AFL to get back on the the the, the national spotlight. You know, because no disrespect to CBS Sports Network and what they were able to do, but. Being back on ESPN two with your title game, with your championship game, and you hear that it's sold out, and if they can get the upper, the upper parts of the arena sold out, that should set up for an electric atmosphere, and hopefully puts more eyeballs on the game of arena football. Yeah, it'll be the first time since the 2016 Arena Bowl that the league is on ESPN, and 
Obviously, we all know the changes that have went down since then. I mean, it's almost a completely different league. The Philadelphia Soul are the only team remaining from that season. Uh, the Valor had been announced, but they weren't playing it the That's last time. Scary. The AFL was on ESPN. Yeah, it's 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 nuts. Um, so it's it's going to be you know it's obviously a positive for the league. I think ESPN three. I think ESPN three was the way to go. I don't think there's a huge need for there to be a game of the week on TV. I felt you know um, back in the day that it still wasn't received like we all would have hoped. But I feel like the streaming aspect of it is good because, I mean, somebody can really pick out, like, okay, I want to watch this AFL game. I'm going to stream right. it later instead of just kind of randomly stumbling upon it on TV and being like, oh, this is mm-hmm. cool, but, you know, Sunday Night Baseball is on or The Office is on or any TV show ever is on. I feel like if you're clicking that stream button, you honestly want to watch it. Um, so I feel like ESPN3 has been a huge plus for the league. I mean, everything's going towards streaming anyway. You can stream on TVs and all that if you still want to watch the game on TV. You just got to be a little technology, you know, technologically savvy. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely a positive, and it's definitely a positive that this game is in Albany. Um, as much as, you know, the homer in me and the, the location-wise, I wanted it to be in Atlantic City, just 45 minutes away. Right. But, I mean, this right. is a place to have it. This, uh, they, they, they pack it in every week during the regular season as well. Um, these past few years, they've done just a great job fan-wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, these fans out here in Albany have really showed out. And it's going to be cool, man. It's going to be cool to see the environment they have going on for the Arena Bowl. Uh, 2014's Arena Bowl was the last Arena Bowl that I would say was really juiced up with a bunch of people in there. And Arizona. Arizona did well in 2016. And Philly did okay in 2017. But the 2014 Arena Bowl in Cleveland, wow, man. Mm-hmm. They packed that thing in. It was sold out. It was a terrible game. I hope Coffee or none of the other gladiators from that year are listening. Coffee, if you're listening, bro, I'm sorry, but man. That was just such a sad game with all those fans there and the atmosphere yeah. there for it to go down like that. But we don't got to talk about that. We're looking forward to this Albany game. Hopefully, you know, they pack in that upper section. I'm excited to see that the lower bowl is sold out. That's obviously a good sign. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a fun one, man. It, 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 it certainly should. And then when we look on the other side of things, we have the Philadelphia Soul. They're coming in. They, yeah, they, unlike Galbini, they came in. They, they had a rough start to the season. Harrison, they were three and four, and things were not looking good. You know, it's, yeah, you started to think, is this soul team? Are they going to get it together? Can they, can they get it together? Are they going to miss the playoffs? What's going on? Are there going to be some changes? And there was a lot of changes on both sides of the ball. They found some gems and some young guys on both sides of the ball. Then the offense started to pick up, and the defense held its own down the stretch to finish the season uh, seven and five. And then in the playoffs, they went in and dominated DC, uh, went in the aggregate 170, 117, excuse me, to 74. They won game two, 48 to 41 at the Wells Fargo center last weekend where you were at Dan Ronaball had, uh, didn't have an efficient game, but still had 140 yards and five TDs. Darius Prince, had six receptions for 93 yards and three TDs. And Malik Forrester, the rookie, again, another rookie, stepping up on the on the defense with three sacks, which is pretty good in in today's edition of the Arena Football League. So, Harrison, you were down at the game um, last Sunday with the Seed of Soul, you know, clinched their uh, birth to Arena Bowl 32. Uh, just what what was your thoughts, you know, from a, from a close game, you know, and, and like how you mentioned on AFL tonight, you like you said, you you wish that this was 
the type of game we saw out of D.C. in game one, which would have made game two that much better. Man, for real, man. Great game, wrong weekend. Oh, it's just – and it was it was an awkward dynamic with the fans part of it. Um, I don't think everyone in there fully knew maybe even that the AFL was doing an aggregate score. I mean, the casual fan, you're not going to know all the ins and outs and the details and et cetera. So, you know, it was a competitive game uh, from start to finish. It's a testament to Washington. They came out and played really hard, had no quit in them, but – uh, the game progressed, you know, it's pretty close to halftime, pretty close third quarter, pretty close fourth quarter. We're getting to the point where, I mean, it's a close game coming down to the stretch, but the game was completely over. I mean, the Seoul had, I think, still a 36-point lead because um, the game was tied pretty much close to the end of the game. So, it, you know, it just it would have been an awkward dynamic had they lost, had the Seoul lost that game and still won the series. It would have been like, all right, guys, we lost. We're still going to the Arena Bowl, like, come on out to Albany. So, you know, it was a difficult dynamic. That's the, you know, the bad side to the aggregate scoring. That's the downside to it. Um, You know, it was unfortunate in that respect. It was just a little bit of a black eye. But, I mean, I don't even know how many fans honestly really even noticed it. So, right. you know, moving forward. Uh, on the field, like I said, Valley came out and played really, really hard. From the Souls' perspective, I thought they had an all right game. I mean, for a game that was essentially – you know, quote-unquote meaningless. Um, I thought they came out and played pretty well. Uh, it wasn't their best showing. Uh, obviously, the the week before when they went out and just blew Washington out on all three phases of the ball, that was definitely a better showing. But I felt like the soul looked pretty solid. I mean, they're going to need a perfect game heading into this week, though. They're not going to be able right. to fall behind in this game against Albany. They're not going to be able to make a bunch of mental mistakes and turn the football over and, anything like that. They're going to have to play one of their better games of the season, but I feel like they're capable of it. Um, you mentioned it. Uh, they had the rough start to start the season. They were 3-4 and four at one point. That's not normal around Philly. They haven't been like that since Coach Dalzell. They haven't had a record that bad since you know Dalzell's been here. So it, it was definitely a turning point in the season for them after that. They started to get it going, and one of their key headliner wins of this season was against the Albany Empire at home. They had that huge win where Waterball was really efficient, and they got to Grady, and they put pressure on him, and Daniels got the first sack of the season. So that's huge uh, going into this week. Sawyer need to generate some pressure on Tommy Grady and that great all-arena offensive line. They had three guys go first team. Cave won the offensive line of the year. And then Mo Ruffins was named the second team, but a lot of people could have argued him onto the first team list. So they have the best offensive line in the league this year. They had a great season. They run a lot of five-step, and they still only allowed two sacks all season. That's a testament to those guys. I mean, they deserved everything they just got awards-wise and more. But for Philly, if they can find a way to generate some pressure on that great group, if, if Daniels can find a way to get another sack, you just mentioned it, Malik Forrester, three sacks last week. He had a great game. He was dominant against the Valor, showed off some really good moves, a lot of potential. He's quick and he's strong, and that's what you need as an arena football nose guard. You need to have a quick first twitch because that ball is coming out of the hand so fast. So, you have to be able to get after it, and you have to be able to get after it relentlessly and quickly. And Forrester displayed that last week, so I'm excited to see what he does long term. But they're going to need him big time in this arena ball. They're going to need him to come out there and put some pressure on Ryan Cave, the offensive lineman of the year. Not an easy task at all. Cave's been great for years, too. Cave's a veteran of this league. Uh, he was one of the best last year as well. So it's going to be a matchup for Forrester. It's going to be a matchup for Demir Outsie. Outside, he's another rookie. 
Tyrell Robinson and Brandon Cottom are both rookies at the Mac and Jack linebacker spot. So this is a, a young soul um, front on defense. Mm-hmm. The secondary is obviously right. veteran Phil Denzel Names is named the defensive player of the year today. Definitely an award he deserved. DB of the year as well. First team all arena, all that. Romain led the league in this year with eight interceptions. Uh, franchise leader for the soul. Hollis is a veteran in this game. Played in the AAF this year, has went all arena, went second team this year. Torres is another veteran, wasn't recognized this year, but he had a good season as well, and he's put together a few good seasons in a row since he joined the Soul a few years back. So they have a lot of talent in the secondary. The defensive line's a little bit young, but they match up well against Albany's receivers, as well as, you know, maybe anyone can. One thing with it is the Soul play a lot of man coverage. There's almost always manned up uh, with the opposing team. That can be tough against Albany because they protect so well and because they're so willing to take deep shots downfield. So when you protect well against man coverage, I mean, guys can't cover forever. After, you know, three, four, five seconds, it's going to get tough to still be on Malachi Jones, Quentin Sims, Colin Taylor, DJ Stevens. Um, It's just tough naturally. It's tough outdoors as well. It's a problem we often hear. You've got to have the front and the back going together at the same time, making plays. So, uh, it's going to be big for the soul to generate that pressure. As good as the secondary is, and as confident as I am that they're going to be able to hold their own, if the defensive line can't generate pressure, it, it's moving point. You know, the secondary is still, they're not going to be able to cover for that long. So um, the defense right. is going to be huge for the soul. Can they, can they generate some pressure? Can they maybe steal an interception or two during the game? That could be huge. Can the soul maybe squeak out an onside kick at some point? Can Kenny Spencer pull one? We haven't really seen Kenny Spencer convert on too many onside kicks this year. They haven't really attempted as many as they normally would. But can he steal one? Can he steal the soul in extra possession, maybe right before halftime or maybe right after the break? But, you know, and that's what it's going to come down to because this is obviously, I mean, we're all expecting a shootout. I haven't heard anybody say, oh, this is a defensive battle. No, I mean, everybody's expecting a shootout. Everyone's expecting touchdown for touchdown. It could come down to who has the ball last. That's always huge. Who wins that coin toss? Who the first to the second half could be huge. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a fun game. I think these are definitely the two best teams in the Arena Football League this year. I think this is the marquee matchup um, for sure. They've only met up three other times this year, and the last time both teams pulled their starting quarterbacks. Both teams um, rested a lot of players as it was the final week of the season. So this is kind of a matchup that we've all been waiting for. You know, they're they're one and one in games that where everyone played. Obviously, no discredit to that Albany win. They came out there and smoked the soul uh, 72-27. So, they definitely have that win. But, I mean, this is this is the one that matters. Uh, nobody will care about that last week 70-27 win if the soul go out and beat the Empire on their home field um, here in the Arena Bowl. So, it's going to be a good game from Philly's perspective. I think they just need to take what the defense gives them. You know, convert in the red zone, that's going to be huge because – Albany is a team who likes to play a lot of soft man coverage, so you can kind of dink and dunk and work your way downfield mm-hmm. on Albany. But once you get in the red zone, they're stingy. I mean, when you have a guy like Joe Sykes, when you have uh, the DBs that they have, when you have Terrence Moore at that jack linebacker spot who looks like an outdoor linebacker, who plays like an outdoor linebacker, it's tough. It's tough to get things going in the red zone. But if anybody can do it, it's just Philadelphia's sole offense. We've seen it for years. Getting back to the Derrick Ross era, man, uh, fullbacks get involved in Philly. Fullbacks get the ball in the red zone. They get more opportunities than anywhere else. You're going to get your touches in Philly. Ferns has had that this year. Ferns has gotten a lot of touches in the red zone, and he's been a mm-hmm. He's real tough to stop down there, real big dude, 
runs with a purpose, runs with a passion. So it's going to be interesting. And then you have the Lonnie Outlaws, the Darius Reynolds. Unfortunately, no Aaron Washa, which we'll touch on a little bit later, but you have Lonnie, Darius, and Prince. All three guys can win on a fade ball in the red zone. And, and Prince is one of my favorites on it. When you put Prince in high motion and give him a fade, nine times out of ten he's coming down with it. Same thing with Money. Same thing with Lonnie. So it, it's, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Albany was statistically the best team in the red zone defensively this year. So they match up with the Soul. The Soul match up with Albany. Um, I really feel like it's an even-matched game. And, um, you know, we will just see. It, it's This is one of those games where you can sit and break down every matchup, but at the end of the day, we're going to have to see what happens Sunday at 8 o'clock. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be fun. And like you said, it, 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 it's going to be the little things that count in this game. Not so much the obvious things, but the little things will determine uh, what happens in this in, in this fantastic battle between two evenly matched, well-coached uh, football teams. Uh, this is the uh, High Motion Podcast here on Block Talk Radio. I'm Jovan Alford, always joined by my co-host Harrison Brown of Arena Fan. Uh, dot com and Harrison, you already uh, touched on it uh, a, a couple. You already touched on it. You know, last time these two teams played, it was a blowout, uh, seventy-two to uh, twenty-seven. Uh, when you look at these two teams, Albany lead the uh, season series right now, two to one, with a plus forty-three, uh, with a plus forty-three uh, point differential in those in 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 all games. Uh, here at the last, like I said, last meeting, seventy-two twenty-seven. Both start, all pretty much all the starters were pulled out in the second half. Remember, however, we gotta remember that the Soul were down thirty to twenty at the half. But one thing that stood out me from that game was the third down conversion for the Soul. They were two of seven, and Albany had thirty-five points off of turnovers, which is a huge no-no. And that happens when Cheatham Norris gets not one, not two, but three interceptions off of off of Patrick O'Brien. And then when you look at the previous meeting in Week 10, the Soul won 54 to 43. This time the Soul did much better on third down. They converted 50%, three of six, 13 points off of turnovers. Dan Rodderball, 21 to 32 for 231 yards, seven TDs, one INT. Uh, Darius Prince has seven receptions for 91 yards, three TDs. BJ Bunn with a huge game, seven receptions for 71 yards and two TDs. Sean Daniels with a sack. Romaine and Torres Jones with INT. Grady had a good game himself. He had five TDs, but also two interceptions. It's crazy. The games that Albany has lost, Grady has had an interception, multiple interceptions. The game that they should have lost against, uh, what was it, against Washington, when Washington should have closed them out, and Albany and Washington couldn't do That's another game that Grady struggled in. And then Malachi Jones, 11 receptions for 171 yards, three TDs. So I know it was a mouthful for everybody to digest. But that being said, what are a few things people should watch out for in Sunday night's Arena Bowl? I mean, I I think just number one would just be Malachi Jones in general. Um, He's been so much fun to watch ever since he joined the league. His week one uh, last year in 2018, he burst onto the scene. And ever since then, I mean, the, the whole league, has just kind of been in awe with what he's done. So that would definitely be one thing to watch. Uh, he'll get a lot of their motions, uh, which will put him up against James Romain, which is always a fun matchup. Um, Malachi's gotten him row a few times this year. I'm not even going to lie to you. Malachi's gotten row 
on a couple different occasions. But, I mean, Romaine in the playoffs, Romaine in the Arena Bowl, just different. Just different overall. He's a gamer in these types of situations. So, I'm, I'm genuinely excited for that matchup. I think the Romaine versus Malachi Jones matchup, who knows how many more times we're going to get it with Malachi potentially maybe getting an NFL look. Um, I'll be uh, stunned if he didn't get an XFL look, an XFL camp invite, at least for next year or so. You know, who knows how much longer we'll have Malachi Jones in the Arena Football League, but it's going to be fun to watch that James Romaine and Jones matchup one more time. Um, outside of that, the both teams' offensive lines are these are the two best offensive lines in the league. A lot of people don't like to watch offensive line play, but it's definitely going to be a huge factor in this game, which defensive line can generate pressure. Can Joe Sykes maybe win a matchup on the edge against the Keith Newell or Neil Tibbis? Or will those guys lock down Sykes? Will Sykes be a non-factor in this game? That's going to be a huge part to it. The Soul get the ball out very, very quick. Albany is a team who likes to take that five-step drop a little bit more. So they run different styles, but both offensive lines have been getting the job done. For Philly, I think they're definitely mm-hmm. going to need to keep getting the ball out quick. I think that's going to be another thing to watch is, you know, early in the game, what's Philly's attack? Is Philly trying to take deep shot downfield? Are they putting Prince in motion and trying to let him go win vertically? Or are they taking what they give, uh, the defense gives them? Are they putting maybe Darius Reynolds in motion and just running a hit? Second and five is better than second and ten. Um, I think that mentality might honestly be better to start the game out with the way that Albany plays. With them in soft man coverage, I mean, if he's five yards off the ball and, and you're running a fade, if he's got that vertical speed, he might run with you the whole field. It's not a very long field in the arena lane. Uh, five yards is much more, you know, valuable than it would be outdoors. That's, that's much further back. It gives you a lot of room to right. work. So in that respect, I would definitely take what the defense gives them, force those guys to start to press, and then once you do that on Darius Prince and Darius Reynolds, it's going to be a very, very difficult matchup to win. Um, final thing I would watch for is, you know, B.J. Bond. B.J. Bond was a guy who we thought had a fun rookie season, performed in the regular season, got hurt, and we weren't going to see again until 2020 um, with Aaron Washa coming off IR as well. But as you, you know, pointed out to me and as John Stark posted on the uh, practice report, Washa is back on IR, B.J. Bond is off IR. So it looks like we're going to see B.J. Bunn in this Arena Bowl. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how he plays after, you know, a week or two off. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that for B.J. It's never bad to get the, the fresh leg back before the big game. It's essentially like he had a bye week last week because he did play in that first playoff game. But last right. week he wasn't. He was on the IR. Not really sure how that worked. Um, if they could just throw B.J. Bunn on IR for seven days and take and Roger off and throw him back on. But, Hey, man, uh, hey, we're not looking. No one, uh, no one say anything. So, B.J. Bond is no. back for the Arena Bowl. I'm excited to see how he plays. I, I think that could be big for the soul. Um, they're obviously going to put a lot of attention on Darius Prince and Darius Reynolds. And, I mean, it's the Arena Football League. There's three DBs, three receivers. How much attention can you put on people? But you can scheme things to make sure you're, you know, making sure that Reynolds is maybe a little bit more covered or bracketed by another DB. So I think BJ could find some openings. I think he could find some openings on the wall and underneath. And, I mean, he could be potentially an X factor in the game if, if Prince and Reynolds right. are accountable. Right. BJ Bunn's going to be asked to step up. So, like exactly. I said, like 15 different times on this podcast, this is going to be a fun game, man. <laughs> uh, continuously running through these matchups so on this podcast and in articles and on the other podcast on Arena Fan, um, it's just been a really fun game to break down because position by position, both teams pretty much run with each other. Still have a great mm-hmm. secondary. 
Albany has a great receiving core. The Soul have a good receiving core. Albany has a good DBs. Um, Albany has a, a great offensive line. The Soul has a defensive line that's been questionable this year. That could be the one big discrepancy in this game. It's Ken but Soul generating questionable, I, I think but that's improving. Questionable, but yeah, very improving. true. Very true. Malik Forrester had three sacks last weekend. Um, that is that is definitely a credit to him. I've liked his game this year. Brandon Cottom has been just a surprise on the defensive yeah, line. When he was brought in, it looked like he would be a fullback. That's what he played in college, is that fullback tight end role. They've put him in back linebacker, and he's looked pretty well there. I don't think he's gotten home for a sack, but just the general feel of pressure has been on. And another thing that kind of went overlooked last week was that they contained Arvell Nelson to no rushing touchdowns. It doesn't play any factor into this week against Grady because Grady's not running anywhere. But it just kind of goes to show the general pressure that they were putting on. Arville had to get the ball out of his hands. He couldn't try to look for running lanes. He had to just throw it. They were in there. They were closing down the gaps. So it, that's going to be huge for the Soul. Can they generate some pressure on Grady? I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, my things to watch out for, you already talked about it. Um, the Soul secondary versus Albany's wide receivers. How do they match up? Can they keep them in front? Can they have that, you know, that that, you know, if they give up a touchdown, it's out of their mind type of syndrome. Like, don't get caught up on it. Got to keep on pushing. Um, but the sole secondary success, it falls on can defensive line and then and the, and the linebacker, you know, get pressure. That's going to be one thing. Can the jack linebacker also help in coverage as well? That's also going to be huge, too, because we're also looking at young guys at both linebacker spots uh, headed into this matchup. So that's going to be huge. Um, third down convergence, I've been harping on this a lot. Soul has to do well. I'm converting on third downs when they have them. Um, Albany's defense right now is doing pretty good on holding opponents to only uh, 44.7% on conversions. And efficient Rodderball. Um, I think Rodderball, in addition to the offense, has to be efficient. They can't look They can't look like lackadaisical. They have to be very precise because you mentioned this before, Harrison, in multiple times, is that you know, it's going to be a shootout, and you got to match Albany score for score. <laughs> like, you can't just say, all right, we scored a touchdown, all right, we're okay. No, it's literally got to be, we scored a touchdown. Now, if we go for its onside kick, we got to get it back. We got to score. We cannot get, you know, go four and out. We got to go score. We can't have a, we can't have a, a interception. Got to score. Run your routes, you know, do what you got to do. And I think the soul, like you said, you know, and I think that's something like you pointed out with the soul. And I think, and I would agree that they've done this much better in the second half of the season. They just been taking what the defense given them. Cause I feel like early in the season, they were trying to force the ball down the field a lot when it wasn't there. Now they're kind of, you know, they're going to take the deep shots when they're there, but if not, they're going to work up the field. And also I think the soul have to kind of withstand the punch that Albany is going to give them. Um, in terms of points, Albany right now is averaging, I want to say, 4.3 points. Uh, let me see. I have it right here. Yeah, they're averaging 4.3 points uh, per per second quarter. So they're putting up a lot of points um, in the second quarter. Second quarter is their highest scoring quarter. And that's where the game can get away of the soul. Uh, do not um, the soul cannot if they turn over the ball or they can't put up points. That second quarter, that's where the game can get out of hand. And I don't think nobody wants to see a game uh, get out of hand 
uh, um, on, on Sunday night. So, like you said, it should be interesting. It should be a fun game. We'll see what happens Sunday. Uh, ESPN 2, 8 o'clock. Should be fun. If you're watching Sunday Night Baseball on Sunday, you can flick over to The Dose and check out some arena football action, which should be uh, fun. Uh, we got a few more minutes left here on the High Motion Podcast. And before we wrap up, we got a couple more topics to talk about. And we got to talk about the awards. We had a couple more awards uh, dished out uh, dished out for the uh, for for uh, for this season. We had head coach of the year going to Clint Dozell, and I and and I was kind of surprised to see him get the award, but it made sense since the Soul were three and four and ended the season seven and five. That was impressive. MVP Tommy Grady, defensive player of the year James Romaine, as Harrison said, and offensive player of the year Malachi Jones. Harrison, did you have any problem? With any of these, with any of the players that won these awards, uh, I personally didn't. The Clint Ozell pick was a little surprising for Coach of the Year. Uh, I didn't really see that coming. I, I thought Keith would definitely have a really good shot at winning it, and I'm gonna argue that my second pick for it might have been Benji McDowell for the turn turnaround that he's had in Washington. But Clint was definitely a, a deserving recipient. Um, the the soul did, like you mentioned, they had that huge turnaround from three and four to seven and five. You look back at the, the schedule of that Albany game at the end of the season is so far their only blemish after that loss to Washington that put them at three and four. That last game of the season is the only time they've lost since they won both playoff matchups as well. So it definitely was an impressive turnaround for the soul. Um, Coach Dolzell definitely, I mean, obviously has the 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 longest tenured program in this league. He's been with the Soul for a very long time now. Started out as the offensive coordinator in 2012. Um, him and Dan have been working together for so long. They had another good year. Dan put up solid numbers this year. Completion percentage went down a little bit, which might be a testament to some of the young receivers. And him weren't they weren't on the same page early in the year. They started to get it back on towards the end of the year. So yeah, that was my only real surprise. Um, obviously, I definitely understand the Arvell Nelson push for Offensive Player of the Year or MVP. I heard a lot about that. I heard a lot of votes for him as MVP. Devon, you've been the Arvell Nelson bandwagon guy since day one. I would definitely Damn give you straight. props where you deserve him there. You were on that bandwagon. I can respect it. But uh, just devil's advocate, just as, you know, a guy who loves the sport of arena football, a guy who loves passing touchdowns, played the position myself. Arvell Nelson had the worst completion percentage in the league this year. He had the second worst QBR behind just Grant or in front of just Grant Russell. It's still a passer league, and I understand that he can for other touchdowns. He technically had the most touchdowns in the league. Definitely respect where respect due. Arvell balled out this year. I'm totally good with the second team. All the arena nod. Offensive player of the year, though, in my arena fan picks, I went with Malachi Jones. I think Malachi Jones was the most dominant offensive player in the league this year. I felt like even though Malachi didn't account for, obviously, all of the Albany touchdowns, I felt like at all times on the field, everyone knew where Malachi Jones was. I felt like there was a genuine fear when Malachi Jones was on the field. Definitely would say the same thing with Arbel. I just think Malachi was the number one. Arbel was the number two in that respect. Arbel had a great year. I'm so happy that he's a QB1. I'm so happy that he's the face of the Valor franchise. No more of this stupid Jack linebacker and getting mm-hmm. cut after training camp and then brought back four weeks later. No more of that. Arvo's the guy in Washington. I love that. 19 rushing touchdowns this year as a quarterback. Are you kidding me? That's awesome. But I was cool with the Malachi Jones pick. I felt like they got that one right. I'll let you have your piece, though. I'll let you go crazy. 
I was going to go crazy, and then I did some research. And it's always good, kids. You know, to before you before you get in, before you get into a debate, make sure you have your facts correct, and you know, not spit off hot takes sometimes. Um, I was going to go off about offensive player of the year, but then I went back and looked at Malachi stats, and this, this was a this was a career year for Malachi. But the crazy part is, it didn't seem like it though. It didn't seem like it was a career year for him. It was more so Quentin Sims that was the talk of the of the Albany receiving core, but Malachi did his thing. I mean, 90, he had, remember, last season, rookie year, 77 receptions for 1,156 yards, 29 TDs, which isn't bad. That's really good. But this season, he upped it, 96 receptions for 1,440 yards and 25 touchdowns. When I saw that, I was like, yeah, I see why he won offensive player of the year. When you put up almost 100 receptions and almost 1,500 yards, it's still almost matching touchdown per total uh, production from uh, from last season, from your rookie season. Yeah, I I I, I can rock with that. And and like you said about Grady, I, I see why. And just again looking at stats, Grady ten ten points higher in completes percentage in and and QB rating just insurmountable with those type of numbers. And you know it's hard to do that. It's hard to it's hard to match that statistics by statistics wise. And Grady's been. You know, one of the best quarterbacks in this league uh, for years. I think for Arvell, why I think I was pushing that so much is because if you take Grady, when you think MVP, thing was like play blah 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 blah. You think, well, if I take this player off this team, did he still do that? And I think with Grady, if they take Grady off, does that does that offense still slow down? Maybe it slows down offensive wise, but he still has a Malachi Jones. Whoever if Espinosa takes over for Grady, he still has a Malachi Jones at his disposal. He still has a Quentin Sims at his disposal, a Stevens, a Colin Taylor, uh, a Les Moss in his headset. I mean, it's he still has a squad around him, an offensive line around him. Arvell, we take Arvell off of, off of Washington, and we say, Jared Evans, you're the starter. Does Washington even sniff the playoffs this year? And that's no disrespect to Jared Evans, but – as I much as Arvell did for that offense. You know what I'm saying? Like that's where I was coming at from the MVP. But statistics wise, I mean you can't you 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 can't you can't knock it. I mean Grady's been Grady's been the machine. I mean, if Arvell I, I mean it's crazy to say if Arvell had the passing and the efficiency of Tommy Grady, then shoot, Arvell might be the best quarterback in league history if he had the uh if he had Grady's passing ability with his legs. I mean it would be unseen, but I agree with you though. I think it's great that our that Washington is committing to him as the full as the, as 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 their starting quarterback. He's no more the Jack linebacker, and I think people really got to see what Arvell Nelson brings to the table in the full season. And I'm excited to see what he does in 2020 and how do they help him more? Because I think they need to help him more. Um, at wide receiver, I don't know if they're going to make Nelson. If they get upgrades, I don't think they need him. But it all depends who comes back. I think they need to help him on the defensive side and give him some help on the secondary to not have him in these situations where he has to bail them out all the time. I agree with a lot of the points you've made. I think Arvell actually definitely had a better case for MVP than offensive player of the year. As funny as that sounds, because like you said, I mean, you take Arvell off that team and you've been the Arvell bandwagon guy. I've been the Gerard Evans bandwagon guy. I know he didn't get no reps. I'm so excited to see him play in 2020. I think he's going to be a baller. But I agree with you. If you take Arvell off that team, if you don't have Arvell Nelson out there running that offense, they're not even close to what they were. And, you know, the High Motion Podcast, we love Warren Smith. We're huge Warren Smith guys. Warren Smith ran that offense and didn't do much last year, unfortunately. 
Davila didn't get any wins in his few starts. Eric Meyer didn't look great in it before with Dean Coquinos. Sean Brackett, who went on to win NAL MVP the year after he played for the Valor, did not look very good for the Valor. I mean, Arvell Nelson and Benji, and when he was there, Shane Stafford, now obviously it's not Shane anymore. But Arvell and Benji, uh, since they've taken over, have, have just turned around that whole team. So I understand where you're coming from on the Arvell Nelson train there. Um, it just the, the completion percentage kind of holds me back. The QBR kind of holds me back. The interceptions hold me back. He had the most in the league. Grant Russell was right behind at 14. Um, I, I understand a lot of the votes that he got. I, he was. He was his team's most valuable player. I would say that he was the most important piece to any team this year was Arbell in Washington. But I think if we're looking at awarding the best players in the league, I think the Grady and Malachi Jones were the guys deserving of that. So, it's the same thing with the NFL, the same thing with the MLB, the same thing with the NBA. Everything is super subjective. <laughs> Everything right. award-wise is like pretty much completely subjective to you know the various people who are voting. So I, I would have understood either way. I think they got it right, though. I think that they awarded the two most dominant players in the league this year with Grady and Jones. I think Arvell got the second team on Rena Knott, definitely deserved it. I think he had a great year. Like we both mm-hmm. have just said, super excited for his QB one day, super excited to see what's to come with him. But actually, I think they got it right. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. So that's the wrap-up on the awards. They'll talk. They'll have a ceremony and stuff at that tomorrow, which Harrison uh, will be at uh, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow in, uh, in Albany. They'll have an awards uh, ceremony for all the guys that have uh, won awards from this season. Um, last but not least, well, second to the last thing, <laughs> second to the last thing uh, to talk about is expansion. We always come to this point of the season back in the old days of arena football, and we always just talk about expansion. We always look toward the Arena Bowl weekend because that's when we usually found out who's coming into the fold for next season. However, and we were looking forward to it this weekend. We were we were psyched. We were pumped to say, okay. It's going to go down. We're about to find out who's joining the who's joining the squad next season. Who's joining the league? Let's get hype. Let's start planning out our, our expansion quarterbacks and who's going where and trying to figure out. But, 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 we are not there yet at all. We are not there. Um, Randall Bow, the commissioner of the league, uh, tweeted tweeted out. Uh, We've narrowed the list for AFL expansion to five markets. We're in the negotiations now and are committed to adding two teams for 2020. We want to be thoughtful and get it right, even if it takes more time. Look forward to announcements uh, soon. Um, from there, there was some interesting um, reactions from people saying, great, so the hype of announcing that the Arena Bowl is now gone. These two teams better have more than eight weeks to prepare this rust offseason not this is getting old. I agree with that person. Um, the Arena Football guess, squared. God. Yes. <laughs> Arena Football. League, yeah, you got to. And he's right. He's right with his with, with his thoughts. The Arena Football League Twitter account. Uh, they tweeted out a map, a thinking emoji, an eyes emoji. Um, we will see what happens. Uh, AFL Zone, they put out an interesting article. Um I think a couple of days ago, kind of plotting out and mapping out where the most logical senses are. The top three places are Cleveland, Newark, and Chicago, which was very interesting. And then, arena fans, 
tweeted out. Arena AFL Fan Zone tweeted out something very interesting here about an hour ago. They said a recent update on the Cleveland Gladiators website shows the new AFL logo, possible hint of things to come. So what did I do? I went on the AF, I went on the Gladiators website, right? And I clicked on latest arena football news, which is on their website. And I click it, and it takes me to Arena Bowl 32 coverage. So that being said, Harrison, are we pretty sure that Cleveland's going to be one of the two that will be joining this next season? Man, who knows? You know how it is, bro. <laughs> hey, it's, all it's all speculation until they do the press conference, man. Uh, everybody's got a source. Everybody's got some inside league. Everybody's got yada, yada, yada. Hey, we'll know when we know. It's, it's a good sign. I like that, the, you know, the Gladiators are still updating their website. Um, I think it's been like that for a few months. Um, but I'm glad AFL fans don't kind of put that out. Let's get the ball rolling. Let's get uh, let's get some heat on these AFL executives now. Listen, I'm disappointed that they're not announcing this weekend, to be honest with you. I, I think it's a huge mistake. I think unless there's, like, an actual reason that they had to delay this, it was a bad move to delay this. This is kind of, you know, this is kind of their time right now. Listen, it's NFL preseason. MLB's in the heat of their season. We're not even into September yet. We're not really talking about wild card races. And obviously, we're talking about them, but a lot can happen still. I mean, there's a lot of baseball to play. So this is kind of the time right now, August, for the AFL to kind of, you know, have their momentum going. They're having this arena bowl. They're having their two best teams play in their best market. It, it kind of felt like the perfect time to announce expansion with the game on ESPN2 on national TV more eyes than usual on the game, just naturally. It's an arena bowl. It's a championship. People want to see, you know, the biggest game, yada. So I'm disappointed they're not announcing. Um, I think I, – I don't think that Commissioner Bo had ever formally said – now, Commissioner Bo's a lawyer, so he's a very smart man. I don't think that Commissioner Bo had ever formally <laughs> said – I don't think that he had ever formally said August 11th would be the exact date that they – I think they were aiming – the arena bowl. I think that was the wording. So they were aiming. Uh, it looks like they missed. It looks like they're going to push it back a little bit. Um, he said announcement soon. We saw that last year around Thanksgiving. We didn't hear until February. So it's tough to know exactly what will happen. I, I think they're going to get it done. I, I have some faith in them. I think they're going to be able to get it done before. I mean, you know, hopefully during the fall. Hopefully they get it done during the fall. We're starting to get into that point where it's looking like maybe September, October. Because, I mean, you have to figure if they were close, they would try to expedite things to get it done for this Arena Bowl. If it was something that could be done, you know, within these next few days, few weeks, wouldn't they try to get it done for maybe media day when a bunch of media will be in one room thinking about arena football, talking about arena football? I don't know. Uh, it, it felt like this was the right time. It felt like something that they had said would probably happen. Um, obviously, our guy Coffee tweeted it. Coffee's the man. Coffee's usually 100%. Hey, listen, Stephen A. Smith gets stuff wrong. You know, Woj probably gets stuff wrong. I don't know. I don't think I've seen that yet. Ken Rosenthal probably gets stuff wrong. Hey, you know, Coffee's not going to be 100. He's 99.999, though. Uh, right. So, yeah, listen, <laughs> you know, no, no announcement at the Arena Bowl. You know, I'm obviously upset sitting here in my hotel room. I would love to have a nice Cleveland Gladiators story to write for the folks, you know, get it out on Twitter, all that. But, does not look like it. Hey, maybe they'll come surprise us. Maybe the announcement soon. <laughs> maybe it was just all a decoy, so no one would find out that they were announcing. No, I doubt it. 
Ah, uh, yeah, pretty lame. I was super hyped about that. Felt like they were finally going to get, you know, the expansion announcement right for the first time in a while. Uh, it looks like it's not going to happen, but we're here for the game. We're here to see Albany and Philly. Had to, you know, switch my article mindset up. Now I'm just focused on, you know, making sure the media day articles are right, making sure the game day articles are right. No expansion story to throw into that. Would have been fun, but I guess we would just have to wait, my friend. Yeah, we might. Yeah, it looks like we're going to have to wait. And I agree with Scott. Like he said, don't rush it. Like don't, don't, don't wait until you got a Russian, Russian off season where teams only have like eight weeks to put things together and then jump in a training camp. Like, let's not, let's not do that this time around. But it's just so crazy that they said this when they literally wasn't it like last week or a week before they were like teasing us about expansion on the AFL account with a video yeah. like yeah. like I, I I don't get it but that people that have been following AFL for a minute this is typical AFL territory some things are just not meant to be uh, <laughs> some things just aren't meant to be some things just aren't meant to be you know questioned just we just leave it for what it is and hopefully hey if we get surprised tomorrow that there's expansion, I mean, shoot, that would just make the arena that would make Arena Bowl weekend that much sweeter. But hey, we got a game coming up Sunday night, eight o'clock, ESPN two. And before we end off, we gotta give our predictions here. Harrison, I'm putting you on the clock here. I'm putting you under the fire. Who do you got in Arena Bowl thirty two? Seoul or the Empire? Will the Empire bring home the chip for the first time in twenty years? Or will the soul continue their dominant over the AFL? Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll go first. We side note, we have to go back and, and look at our predictions through the year because I just realized this is gonna be our last prediction of the twenty nineteen right? season. We're gonna have to <laughs> we're gonna have to go back and see who won. Uh I had a few rough weeks, man. I just had a few weeks where I was off. So you might have got the crown this year, but all right, I'll stop procrastinating and get to my pick. Arena Bowl thirty two. All week, something has been telling me to roll with Philly. And this is not – I don't have a real analytical reasoning behind this. This has kind of been a gut football thing. I think Philly has way less pressure on them. Um, obviously, it's a championship game. There's going to be pressure naturally. But I think what Dan Rodabaugh said in the press conference last week is really true. Um, and I didn't even know about the 20-year anniversary of the 1999 team. I mean – it's just like there is like Albany needs to win this game. <laughs> like we're in Albany, it's gonna be sold out in Albany. There's a huge buzz around this game in Albany. They had the great season. Um, they were dominant all year, MVP and offensive player of the year, second season in the league. It's just you know, they haven't won a championship yet as the Albany Empire. Malachi who knows what his future holds and potential, you know, opportunities to move up. Grady, as great as he's been, just won another MVP. He's getting up there in age. Who knows how much longer he'll be here. So the time is now. I mean, the time is definitely now for the Empire to win this title. And Ryan McCarthy on Arena Fan wrote a, a pretty cool article, a great article, um, just kind of, you know, going over stuff like that, a lot of the history behind it. Definitely would check it out. But I can't explain it, man. Just I think Philly is going to be able to come in with a lot of just swag and just pressure off their back. I feel like they're going to be able to kind of let it loose and 
And one huge thing that could change, you know, the outcome of this game is Aaron Washington not playing. As much as we've loved B.J. Bond and as excited as I am to see him in the Arena Bowl, Washington not playing is huge. Have, not having Washington out there is definitely a big factor for the soul. So that could be something that leans to Albany, but I'm going to stick with it. Uh, I don't, you know, it might not be the best pick in the world. I might look kind of dumb, like on Monday, but I'm going with the soul. I think the soul are going to win this game. I think Dan Rodeball is going to have a really good game. I think he's going to be efficient, and I think they're going to find some ways to score in the red zone. I think Burns can walk out of here with two or three touchdowns. I think Keith Newell could steal a touchdown in the red zone. I think that would be fun and potentially a good way to catch Albany slipping. I wouldn't be surprised, Clint, to see Clint call some red zone uh, tight end screens. Maybe some tight end screens, you know, when they're around midfield, try to catch Albany asleep. I think Clint's going to call a good game. Um, he's done a really good job all year, and it's definitely a huge reason why he won Coach of the Year. Um, they had a lot of young guys to start out the year, and they had to limit their playbook, pull it back a little bit, take away some of the choice routes, kind of simplify things, make them more bread and butter, get the ball out of our hands, let's go make plays. Um, I think if they can find a healthy balance between that, I think you have to stay simple in this game, but you have to be actively trying to score almost every single time you touch the football against the Albany Empire. You mentioned it. I mean, they can't be complacent after scoring a few times. Even if they get a little lead, I mean, still are up by 14 or 21. Albany's still in it. Albany is a good team. They can put up points, and they can put up points quickly. They can put up points in one play, done, boom, onside kick, they got the ball back. I mean, it can really be like that with the Empire with how efficient their offense is and how good of a kicker Adrian Trevino is. So Philly's going to have to come out explosive. Philly's going to have to score from the jump. They're going to have to protect. They're going to have to play a perfect game. But I can't explain it, man. I'm rolling with the soul. Hey, I, I like where you're going, and I'm going with the soul as well. I've been, like you said, it, it just seems like the soul are the team that's coming in with no pressure. And I always like teams that are coming in championship games with no pressure. It almost reminds me of when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl and they won it with no pressure. It's no pressure at all. And even though they were the one seed, you know, everybody was counting them out. They're like, oh, you're going, they're the one seed. They're going to get beat by the Falcons. Wrong. They come out, blow off the Vikings. Good. Super Bowl, they come out swagged out. It's all good. Nick Foles, they playing with house money. They throwing trick plays. It's all good. I feel the same way about the soul. I think there's no pressure on them. They're playing with house money. This is a team that, you know, that they could have folded. Literally, they could have just said, yeah, we're. Not, I think we're not going to just play well this year. Like, you got a whole bunch of rookies, guys ain't panning out. You know, we're not playing up the par. We're, I think we're just going to pack it in for the season. But they didn't do that. They they kept on pushing, and they, they drastically improved. Four and one. The end off the second half of the season, only loss coming to Albany, seventy-two to twenty-seven, which was that was the backup game, for the most part. And you know, for as much as we look at what Albany's wide receivers can do against the Soul DBs, I'm looking at what the Soul wide receivers can do against an Albany Empire defense, which is you know, which they have two rookies back there, Homer and Norrell. This is going to be their first test of an Arena Bowl. You know, and unlike we said about B.J. Budden, it's going to be their first test as well. And I think, like you said, Dan, like it's going to be this, like I said, it's going to come down to the small things. But I think the soul uh, come out with the dub. It won't be easy. It's going to be tight. This game will not be good for the faint of heart, but it's going to be, I think the soul are going to do it. I don't know if they're going to, I don't know if it's going to be like how it was against Tampa, 44 to 40. It's going to be a little bit up there. We might have, uh, 
it might be reminiscent of what happened in Albany versus AC. It's going to be that type of high-scoring game. Hopefully different result, but it's going to be that type of high-scoring game. I got the soul uh, coming away with the dub. And uh, that's going to wrap up this edition of the High Motion Podcast. Really appreciate everybody for tuning in and checking us, checking us out all season. Really appreciate that. Um, yeah, we just appreciate everybody tuning in, checking us out on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JoeVonten. Make sure you follow Harrison on Twitter right now at Harry Brown Russo. He's up there at Albany in Albany for the Arena Bowl. Media Day is tomorrow. Uh, Harrison, go away with the plug. Do what you got to do. Plug away. Man, yeah. This podcast, first and foremost, run it back. Listen to it again. Uh, we got the Arena Fan Podcast. Um, me and you have been talking about doing some stuff tomorrow night. We're probably going to link up around the same time tomorrow, put out some media day content, put out some of the interviews that I grabbed from media day. Media day is at five. I'm going to try to stay active on Twitter. I've told Jovan this, but I'm afraid of Twitter. I'm very bad at Twitter. I'm not good at it, so I don't use Twitter much. Um, but I'm going to try to use Twitter tomorrow. I'm going to try to be active during media day, keep everybody updated on what's going on. But, man, other than that, I just want to go back and note that we both just picked the soul to win the Arena Bowl over Albany. So, Monday, this podcast might come back and be a cold take, or it might be the hottest take. We might look uh, look like we're really smart, or we might look like biased soul reporters. So, that's for time to tell. But, man, like you said, it's been a lot of fun doing this podcast this year with you. I'm excited to do our media day show tomorrow. I'm excited to do our Arena Bowl recap uh, heading into next week, early next week. We'll We'll come on here and talk about the game, talk about what happened, look a little bit ahead to the off season, and then uh, me and Jovan, we've been talking about doing off season shows, having some former players on, some guys who you know maybe we wouldn't talk to during the regular season, but you know, hey, Aaron Garcia, what are you up to, man? Come on the podcast, you know, uh, stuff like that. So um, we're gonna try to stay active. We're gonna do our, our college football podcast, our college football coverage on Total Sports Live. So. Yeah, man, uh, the High Motion Podcast is kind of entering the off-season phases, as is the Arena Football League, but a lot of good stuff to come, man. Yeah, for sure. So, hey, like I said, if you ain't following us on Blog Talk Radio, Spotify, Total Spawn, uh, or Apple Podcasts, I mean, you're going to be missing out on a whole bunch of stuff. So make sure you follow us all on there. Follow us on Twitter, at Joe and Harry Brown Russo. Check out arenafan.com for all the great stuff that they'll have for you this weekend. Total Sports Live as well. That's about it. Everyone, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Arena Bowl, tomorrow, which is on, not tomorrow, it's on Sunday. Sunday uh, Sunday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. Enjoy the football. Make sure, like I said, check out Arena Fan. They're going to be doing some great stuff over there. Really check out what those guys are doing. Uh, for me and Harrison, everyone have a good one, and we will talk to you guys soon.